can't hold that against me. Sure, I can. No. No one listening will even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Slow one. Yeah, that was a uh, dramatic. I really want it to be purple. Did they make a purple beer? Actually, you know what? We had that beer in Upslope, remember? And it was like a purple shade that changed slightly. They like said it looked like butterflies or something. I don't recall. I mean, the Rubeus is pink. Right. Purpley. Come this way if you need. No, it's okay. I'm fine. My little corner of the world. My little corner. My little corner. <laughs> nice. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, how's it going? Good. I thought about this the other day. I just want everyone listening to know that I drink out of the class every single week. We haven't we haven't mentioned it in forever. If you're just tuning in, it's my cat glass, which is really a cup, but I call it the cat glass, so I can call it the class. But I thought about it. Maybe people think that it was just a, a couple times. A one-off. But I, every single episode, I drink out of this plastic cup like a really refined lady. And you get you a bigger one. Ooh. Like a pint glass. Well, they have those like giant ones that are like have the t- coffee couplet and i could just take that off and i could have a giant thing of whatever i'm drinking because this is pretty small mm-hmm. four or five ounces i don't know no it's probably like six or six to eight but i just wanted to let everyone know that i'm that i am very loyal to this cup glass, glass. brand loyal huh you're brand loyal oh they said brown loyal and i was like what the heck is brown loyal how was your week? It's not over, but still. Fun, I think. Minus your knee hurting you. Yeah, but that's what's going to happen when you start running after not running since, like, high school track. No, we ran in Florida. Yeah. You were way better than me then. That's when I used to, like, want to die slash vomit slash cry all at once. But it was so hot. I think that was half of the problem. We would, we would run in the like heat of the day, practically. That's when we got off work. I know. It was a bad idea. We won't make that mistake again. Living in Florida or running in Florida? Yeah, probably both. Or running in the heat of the day was really what I was getting at, but yours works too. Uh, my day, I mean, my week was fine, is fine. It's kind of all over the place in terms of days that I'm working, so that's weird. I'm just like wrapping things up at my current job, and so I just come in when I need to and finish things as I get them done. So Mm -hmm. I'm in a state of flux, you know? What? You're smirking. (laughs) Why are you smirking? There's nothing. Okay. Just smirking. Yep. Okay. You're smirking again. You got something to say? I'm letting you get through your thing. No, that's it. Well, I'm, I was going to wait until we're closer to, like, getting to go. Okay. What are you drinking? Passiflora from Decadent Ales. 
What is it like? It's just a double IPA. There's not. Oh. There's nothing special about it. They make things like coconut macaroon um, beer and creme brulee beer and other things like that. Outlandish flavor combinations like you would usually have for a dessert. But this one's just a double IPA that has weird mustache bees all over it with shoes and hats. Um, and this one just has like notes of guava, citrus, and passion fruit, which is coming from the hops. Is they, it good? Yeah, it's good. an IPA. Nice. I, yeah, the label's fine. I don't like the juxtaposition with the can and the label. I think it makes the label look cheap, like cheaply made. Do you know what I mean? Like, it looks very, like, I don't know. I guess I'm used to seeing cans that blend so well with their labels these days or don't have labels. That just looks like a sticker Mm -hmm. very much. So that's my one critique of that can. But The brewer that I work out, we just use stickers. But it doesn't look cheap like that. Maybe because does it come all the way around? Yeah, I mean, it connects. Well, yeah, that's half of the problem, I think. Yep. Your anal. I can't critique the flavor, so I might as well critique the look of it. You know, contribute. Yeah, um, that's a big part of beer selection, is the label. Oh my gosh. We went to a brewery that we won't mention. It was a nice location, beautiful, you know... The beer is well-rated and everything. And Alex went to the bathroom, and I went to go pay for the drinks. And I, like, I keep having this problem where I talk to strangers in, like, a friendly way, and they don't reciprocate and aren't friendly back. Slash look at me like I'm really weird. So I was trying to chat with the bartender, who is super nice and social to everybody there, and... I was just like, um, oh, I, I mentioned that we had purchased, you had purchased their cans before at the beverage center downtown and that, you know, you really like them and everything. And I was like, oh, and I really like the label, you know, it's, it's really catchy, but it's pretty simple. It's, it's very like geometric Mm -hmm. design. And she's like, oh, okay. And there's another guy, and he's like chuckling to himself. And I was, and like looking at the bartender, and I'm like, this is so weird. And I told her, I said, you know, the look of a beer can is huge in terms of beer selection. And I told her it was similar to a library where people choose it based on books, book covers rather, and that it's important. And she just was like, yep. And then the guy was, like, laughing, and they were, like, making eyes, and I was just like, this is so weird. I thought my sentences were perfectly normal. You were just sloshed. That's why. <sighs> I wasn't, though. Yep. It's not the first time it's happened. Probably won't be the last. Nope. What are you drinking? I'm drinking another 19 Crimes wine that you purchased. I told Alex, go in the store... Well, okay, that makes me like sound like I uh, tell Alex to do things for me. Except I accidentally forgot my ID at home. So he had to go in and I had to pretend like I was... Air quotes around accidentally. Yeah, no, really. 
I had to pretend like I was like some 17-year-old with some older friend, and I waited in the car. But anyway, I was like, can you get me wine? Six to ten dollars a bottle. He comes out with two bottles. One is eleven dollars, and one is thirteen dollars, and neither of those are in the six to ten range. But anyway, this is just red wine. Yep. Just 19 crimes, red wine, 2017. Yep, that's all I got. That's all it says. Now, why were you smirking? Um, well, if we're about to go into into it. My story. Yeah, into your story. Uh-huh. Um, just before we do that. Um, you sound like you have something big to say. I'm pregnant. You're pregnant. Oh, congratulations. No, about a, uh, a week ago, uh, three quarters of the people in the barrels in the Bear Brook case were identified. Oh. I thought we knew. No, they were all unidentified. Oh, it we wasn't just knew the that sister and the... We knew that there was an older woman with two of the people in the barrels were related to her. Oh. And there was an... And there was a missing... There was somebody that was unrelated. Got it. Right. Okay. So they've been identified as 24-year-old, 24-year-old Marlise Elizabeth Honeychurch or Marlise McWaters, her six-year-old and one-year-old daughter, Mary Elizabeth Vaughn and Sarah Lynn McWaters. Huh. Um, and this was done through the help of Rebecca Heath, who was a research librarian, who was also just interested in the case. Wow. So she apparently just went through ancestry message boards and used keywords like California and missing sister to try to find some kind of link between where Peter Rasmussen had been and um, women that had gone missing to try to identify who who might that be. And she came across a post from 1999 that was from somebody that was looking for Sarah, so the daughter and her mother Marlise. Um. And, you know, she also noted a couple other people looking for Sarah Marlies on the same website. And then she posted in a Facebook group asking if those murder victims could have possibly been them, but got, no, like, no response huh. from that post. So she just, like, dropped in and forgot about it. And then she was apparently listening to um, New Hampshire Public Radio put out a Bear Brook podcast. And she just, like, remembered all that uh, message that she had seen looking for Sarah Marlies. And she reached out to the original poster and emailed her and got some information, including that Marlise was married to a man with the last name Rasmussen. So she let the police knew what she had found, and they were able to collect DNA samples from family members and confirm the identification. Wow! How did you know? How did you know this was happening? Um, my favorite murder group. Mm. Somebody posted it there. Wow. I can show you a picture afterwards just because there's a lot of cables yeah. involved with my computer. Wow. Things are happening every day. Yep. Impossible. Things are happening every day. You know that song? No. It's from the live action Cinderella featuring Brandy and Whoopi Goldberg. And um, the I think it's the guy who's... I can't remember his name. The guy who's the professor and legally blonde he's super famous oh shoot yeah i know his name too because he's on dc's legends of tomorrow yeah he's super famous the prince charming in that movie is asian and his parents are that guy and Whoopi goldberg it's a very tri-racial family 
they ever mention him being adopted or anything? No. I don't... I know. And then Cinderella's Brandy. Well, that's fine. Well, yeah. Were Sepsis black also? No, I don't think so. I think her favorite godmother was, though. I don't remember. Anyway, something Glover? No. no. Well, it's whatever. It's kind of bugging me, but... Whatever. Anyway, you gotta look it up. Yeah. Something I saw his last name. Still waiting on first name. It didn't spark the first name. Last name was Garber. Victor Garber. Yeah. Victor Garber. Which sounds... That sounds just like Glover. I was so close. It sounds like a big, beefy hunk of a man. Victor? Anyway, that's crazy. I'm glad they've had some sort of progress. Closure and break. Right. Can you imagine? That's a long time to wonder. Yeah, it's almost as if you wonder what happened to your relative for 50 years. Yeah, almost. Almost as if. (sighs) Okay. Do you want to hear my story? Sure. Yeah. It's. I toned it down a little. No, I made my I made up stuff in mine, so it bounces out. That's not what I mean. I mean there were details about what happened to the victims that I kind of toned down because it was hard to digest. But it's still really bad. Is that a hint? Is there cannibalism? No. <laughs> no. Um Yeah, so just 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 beware. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe. You ready? Ready for action. SpongeBob. Oh. Okay. Shannon Christian. Spelled C-H-A-N-N-O-N. Unique. Was born April 29th, 1985. In... I didn't look this up. I should have. Ireland. Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Something like that. Texas. It's complicated. There's like a lot of consonants clumped together. But anyway. April 29th, 1985. She was born in Texas. She moved to Louisiana from Texas to Louisiana and then from Louisiana to Tennessee. Uh, and she arrived in Tennessee with her family in 1997, and that's where she kind of grew up, grew up for the most part. She graduated from Farragut High School. I don't know. <laughs> in a suburb of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, and then after that, she went to study sociology at the University of Tennessee. She had a significant other. Uh, Brag about it. No, I would just laugh. <laughs> I'm just laughing because... Oops. I'm laughing because I already have used the past tense. Well, okay, they could have broken up, but still. He could die, she could die. Yeah, you don't know. So she had a significant other named Hugh Newsom, but his middle name was Christopher and he went by Chris. Because, I mean, Hugh 
Mm-hmm. Besides Hugh Jackman. Nobody wants that. Who was born September 21st, 1983 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he went to Halls High School and played baseball. And that seems like about the pinnacle, according to the internet, of things he did. I'm sure he did much more. Mm-hmm. But that's all I could find. Peaked in high school. Yeah. Baseball player. So those two were dating. He was two years older, but it wasn't a big difference. And on January 6, 2007, so she's... I think she was 20, she's 21, and he's 23. Yeah, she, she would have turned 22. She would have turned 22 in April. Um, yeah, so she's 21, he's 23. On January 6th, Shannon and Chris were leaving from their friend's apartment to go to a party when they were went missing, and Shannon's parents figured this out because they hadn't heard from her, and they were really worried because she was known to call and you know, keep in touch Mm -hmm. really well. So when they didn't hear from her for a little bit, they got nervous and they kind of talked to the police and they found that their car was gone. And so they figured something was wrong. Um, They then used their, they called the telephone company and had them trace the, her cell phone, Shannon's cell phone. 90s. 2007? Mm. <laughs> uh, so they traced the cell phone and they found their her abandoned car on Monday, January 8th. So this is two days after they were going to go to this party. There was, you know, everything was still kind of intact in there. There was an envelope in there with fingerprints on it. And the fingerprints ma- matched a man named Lamarck. Marcus, I'm thinking it's just Marcus, but there's an extra I in there. Marquis? No. It looks like Marcus. Marquis? No. So there was an envelope in the car with fingerprints of LaMarcus Davidson, and police decide to go to his house because that's not her boyfriend, so they don't know who it is. And on January 9th, 2007, they go into the house. No one's there. But they open a trash can and find Shannon. It's like sup. <laughs> no, she's not alive anymore. She's just in the trash can. So we just, you know, went from zero to sixty. Dismembered. No. We'll get there. No. She's just shoved in the trash can. You and body can fold like that? Yeah, sure. She's Looks like a relatively small woman, you know. Just maybe they had a trash compactor. Those things are pretty intense. My grandparents have one, and it sounds like a plane's taking off every time it runs. So I don't know. So yeah, we didn't get very far, and now they're dead. Mm-hmm. Well, she's dead. Right. Is he dead also? <laughs> I'm bad at storytelling. Did you know? So they find Shannon in the trash can. And they start looking around in the area. And later they find Christopher dead also. And his body is wrapped up in some like trash bags and stuff. And he's found near railroad tracks nearby. So they take him, you know, to the medical examiner and everything. It turns out that he had been bound 
blindfolded, gagged, and then stripped down. You know, the, the order is not clear, but those were all, he was, had all that when they found him. He was shot in the back of the head, um, the neck and his actual back, and then his body was also set on fire. And then after close examination, the Emmy determined that he had been sodomized by an object, with an object, and also raped by a person. And they figure that all of that took place at the house, and then he was brought to the railroad tracks and, like, executed or whatnot Mm because it was the back of the head, and then burned. When they looked at Shannon's condition... She had died after hours of extreme torture. She had injuries to her genitals, anus, and mouth, and traumatic brain injuries as well. They found that bleach had been poured down her throat and used to scrub her body to try to get rid of DNA evidence, and this was still while she was alive. And she was bound with curtains and bedding, Her face was covered in a trash bag, and then she was put, wrapped up in more trash bags and put in the trash can. And the Emmy said that that was her cause of death, was being suffocated. That's the toned-down version. Mm -hmm. Pretty messed up. Um, So these two are deceased. And all they have all they have to go off of is that envelope and the fact that they're at Lamarcus's house. And it turns out that after like talking to them and trials and everything, a few days before the abduction happened, Lamarcus Davidson was having trouble with housing, money, and finding a job. He had just gotten out of prison for, um, I think it was some sort of robbery and drug-related charges. He wasn't in prison for very long. I think he was like five or six years, which is still a long time. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. but So he had gotten out, and he had nothing practically. He was more or less homeless, like he was going to get kicked out of that house eventually because he didn't have any money to pay for it. So he's having a hard time, and his brother, Latalvis, Latalvis, I liked. I wish it was like Little Elvis. It looks like it should be, but it's not. Latalvis Cobbins. I think they're half brothers, actually, but they just said brothers. Last name would indicate so. Yeah. He came to visit, and he brought his friend George Thomas and Van- girlfriend Vanessa Coleman. So there's like this little shindig. Um, and they also had a friend named Eric Boyd who was hanging out. He was from the area, mm-hmm. so he wasn't visiting. Um, none of them had any money or jobs and LaMarcus felt like they came there to kind of just like try to get him to fix things for them, even though he was in a bad shape himself and they knew that he currently had somewhere to stay. So he felt like they were kind of, you know, imposing on him, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of unwanted house guests. So he was getting really frustrated with having them around. And this is a house of five people now. And um, he also had just recently gone through a breakup. So he was just really all over the place, really angry and frustrated at everybody. And so he kind of he concocted this plan where his plan was to carjack someone, which is like go in their car and steal stuff. Or does, is a person in there with them? 
based on GTA, carjacking is when somebody's already driving, you throw them out and take their car. <laughs> and then they go, blah, like your game did the other day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think carjacking is stealing a car while somebody's in it. Oh. Well, he had a plan to carjack with someone, and originally the plan was just going to be with him and Eric Boyd, who I mentioned was already around in the area. Eric Boy. Eric Boy. B-O-Y. B-O-Y-D. Eric Boy. Eric Boy. Um, the D comes later. Boy. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Good one. Uh, and he figured that if they carjacked someone, it would solve all their issues. You know. Sure. His brother, Latalvis, was against this plan, though. He said that probably wasn't the best way to go about doing it. So they got into a huge argument about it. But LaMarcus was really set on this. So he and Eric decided to go through with it. And they went to the parking lot where one of Shan's best friends lived. And it was the parking lot they were leaving from to go to the party. Mm. And they had the intention of only robbing them and, I guess, stealing the car. But then another car showed up and they freaked out. So they pushed Shannon and Chris back into the car at gunpoint and threatened them and had them drive off with them in it. And then they were bound up and brought back because Eric, I mean, they drove there in the mm. car. So they like took them from that back into the other car. They bound them up, they brought them back to the apartment, and when they got back to the apartment, they decided that the couple would have to die. I've seen their faces. Well, not only that, it's a group of five black people, and the victims were white. So they figured this would only turn into something huge, like, you know, there's no hope for them. Mm -hmm. So knowing the, you know, the feelings about how that would go down they were like the, this this is totally different now it wasn't it's not just a robbery these guys have to die the whole time that group is kind of falling apart and arguing and you know having a tough time because this is not what they all intended to do but it's what happened i didn't sign up for this yeah uh and they're so they're kind of falling apart and they're arguing and they're getting really heated. And LaMarcus is like, well, okay, we can't fall apart. So he had kind of had people try to prove loyalty to the group by doing certain things and partaking in the crime. Then they're all equally culpable. Right. You rat someone else out, you're incriminating yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's unclear as to who did certain things. Um one of the details in particular that's kind of not 100% is who was the person that actually raped Christopher, not using the object. But they think that probably it was um, Thomas. What's his George Thomas. Because when they, you know, incarcerated, like when they arrested them and everything... There was a lot of male pornography on his phone, so that's the best guess they mm-hmm. had, although they never knew for sure who did that. They can't test. Uh, I don't know why they didn't or why they couldn't. They did burn the body. But they were able to tell that he was ripped by a man. Yeah. So that would indicate there was... Seminal fluid. I don't know. 
I don't have an answer for you. Then, when testifying, LaMarcus said that Thomas, George Thomas, was the first one to fire a gunshot at Christopher to prove his loyalty. So he did the back of the head shot. And then they, you know, they raped him and sodomized him. Brought him out to the railroad tracks, shot him, and then they went back, washed their clothes, and came back and burned the body. So they went back and forth and then burned it and then left it. Returned to the scene. Yep. And, I mean, it, it doesn't... It, they were going to get caught anyway because his handprints were on a, an envelope and they left the body in the house with his name on the address. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Clearly, this is someone who, like, to me, this is a textbook case of this was not what I wanted to do. I don't know what to do now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, clearly, they don't have that many issues with doing it. That's what you got to, you got to, if you're ever going to kill somebody, you got to have a plan in your head. Yeah, don't, not if, this. If the situation ever comes to it, you got to know how to dispose of a body. Okay, but they really, they didn't just kill people, you know, they did a lot more than that. Lamarcus's brother, Latalvis, went, meanwhile, while they were dealing with Christopher, went upstairs to Shannon. He testified that he said he would let her go if she agreed to oral sex. And so, I mean, as much as she could, she agreed. But then, you know, obviously he was lying about that. And then some of them other men took turns with her. Oh, man. My family's going to hate me. Oof. It's not not great. When asked, people that knew Latalvis testified that he, that he wasn't, they didn't think that he was likely to be a violent person, but that he would do anything to prove himself to his brother. Is he younger? I think so. And then there's also that, like, half-sibling relationship. You never know how those dynamics are. So they um, they saw, you know, why he potentially would do these things. So all of that took place. And then they all were found, you know, they all kind of testified against each other. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. no names were forgotten. So they all got... Their trials, George Thomas faced 46 charges, 16 counts of felony murder murder related to rape, robbery, kidnapping, and theft, two counts of premeditated murder, two counts of aggravated robbery, four counts of aggravated kidnapping, 20 counts of aggravated rape, two counts of theft, and his original sentence was a life in prison without parole. Latalvis Cobbins faced the same charges, but he also got charged with assaulting a correctional officer while he was in jail. And on August 25th, 2009, he was found guilty of facilitating the murder of Christopher, but I got but got acquitted for his rape. So he didn't he wasn't charged mm-hmm. for raping Christopher. And he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. LaMarcus faced the same charges as the two before him. Um, 
And on October 28, 2009, he was found guilty on those charges. He received the death penalty for four felony charges and sentenced to 80 years for other charges. His sentences were set to be served consecutively, not concurrently, to the death penalty. So he was going to get 80 years and then the death penalties. Mm -hmm. Vanessa Coleman was indicted on 12 counts of felony murder related to rape, robbery, kidnapping. She was indicted on one count of premeditated murder for Shannon and one count of aggravated robbery for Christopher. Four counts of aggravated kidnapping, 20 counts of aggravated rape, two counts of theft. I'm assuming she probably was the one who used objects. I didn't see for sure, Mm -hmm. but she did get charged for rape. And I think that the only people involved with like, well, a male man would have had to actually rape Christopher. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the mechanics of can she rape shannon i mean rape is just unwanted sex right so i guess but she wouldn't have you wouldn't also if she were present while someone else was doing it then she can be charged with rape i would imagine too or something but to me, she wouldn't she wouldn't rape Shannon because she's not she's not getting any she's not, you know mm. forcing oral sex from a man onto a woman is different, but you know, that's not usually mm. you know what I mean. Watch me just like shrivel up and cringe talk about this because that's what's happening over here i feel like i'm making all sorts of weird faces and i'm just like tiptoeing around things so (sighs) she was granted immunity for all federal counts for testifying against the other members of the group but was not granted immunity for her state charges which were the murder and rape charges and on July 30th, 2010, she was sentenced to 53 years in prison, which is significantly less than the other ones. Eric Boyd was arrested in connection with the carjacking and was arrested as an accessory to all of it. As- after testing for his DNA, what? If you got charged with being an accessory to all of it, then she would have been charged with an accessory if she didn't actually do anything. Right. So. Yeah, that's true. After testing for his DNA, they did not find evidence to suggest that he was directly involved with any of the rapes or murders, even though Thomas and Cobbins accused him of it, but there was no evidence to suggest that that actually happened. And on April 16th, 2008, he was found guilty of carjacking and accessory and was sentenced to 18 years in prison, which is the longest sentence possible for carjacking and being an accessory. Fun fact. Fun fact. So he got that maximum sentence, but it was only 18 years. All defendants tried to appeal their convictions, except Eric Boyd, who was pretty content with his. He probably couldn't have gotten much better. Man, good behavior. He could probably get out in like four years. Yeah. The So they all appeal the convictions. And the judge that resided over their original ones, 
Richard Baumgartner was actually disbarred at this point. It's related to Felix. Who's that? The Red Bull guy that jumped from the stratosphere. What? Guy went up in like a weather balloon and jumped from... I have no idea who that is. Felix Baumgartner. Did he die? No. Did he have a wingsuit on? Did he have a parachute? Mm-hmm. He went up, I don't know, I think it was into the stratosphere. Hmm. Or whatever the lowest one is. I don't know, I'm not a weather person. Yeah. Interesting. So he got, so they all got sentenced and then their judge got disbarred because it was found that he had been addicted to and purchasing drugs. Meth. From convicts and was trading legal favors for sex during court sessions. Nice. (laughs) So he got disbarred and then because of this, they determined that this had impaired his judgment. For ruling over their cases. What, the... Drugs. The BJs and and meth? Yeah, right. Meth, only once, you know? So, then they, like, looked over things, and they decided to give a retrial to George Thomas and Vanessa Coleman, but not um, the brothers. Because they were real bad. And all of this, I mean, they were all real bad, but those were real bad. Coleman, Vanessa Coleman, ended up getting convicted for aggravated kidnapping, facilitation of rape, and facilitation of murder. So, How is that different than accessory? I, I don't know that it is, but that makes me think she may have not done as much as we were just talking about. Um, so those were lesser charges. Um, and I think it was a... 35 year sentence or something yeah i think it's a 35 year sentence uh she served time has served time since these charges and was eligible for parole in 2014 i believe but they denied it you know the town had an uprisal and they're like heck no and she's not eligible again until next year where she'll probably try again Oh, and then the sentence ends no later than 2042. Okay. So that's like 30-some 30, 30 years or whatever. George Thomas got life in prison with the possibility of parole after 51 years. But then they looked at it again on June 4th, 2013, and it got changed to two consecutive life sentences and 25 years. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were like, dangling the carrot like Mm -hmm. you want this only another 35 years to go nope two life sentences and then 25 years after that we've already talked about how i feel about that just just do one um so yeah they're all really in prison except eric boyd who will be out relatively soon 2026 and then if he Vanessa. does, it, but he, if he gets, if he's better than that. Yeah, but Vanessa's getting out soon too anyway, right? You said 2042. 2042. That's kind of a long time. Like I mentioned, this was a, the you know, one of the reasons they said that they actually went through with all these murders was because of the race issue involved. And so some people have grabbed this case and like held on to it super tight as an example of a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Although there's no evidence to suggest that is what it was. 
Like, they had rock-solid, you know, reasons for why they initially did it, and then obviously things spiraled out of control. But um, the, five ha- the five of them had plenty of white friends. They had, A lot of them had dated white people before. So Also, just to play devil's advocate, I'm assuming the people that are admit that it was a hate crime were also white. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can't really... White people like to play the race card, and the white people aren't allowed to play the race card. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, it is white people that are playing that. Um, I was, I didn't write it down, but I was reading an, an art, a news article, and the reporter was just like, white people. It was basically boiled down to white people cry me a river. Like, this is stupid. Fox News commentators really, really liked this one. Tucker Carlson? Who? He's a white guy, and he's... No... They disagreed with the fact that uh, the judges were like, this is not a hate crime, and Christopher's mother also disagreed with it. White supremacists use this for fodder, if you will. David Duke? Alex Linder? I only know David Duke. Apparently a white supremacist leader. I don't know if it's a male or female. I didn't look. Oops. Well, Alex Linder led white supremacists in a protest of the murders and the charges that they got and whatever on may 27th 2007 what does he want like six life sentences what does he want different for it to be labeled as a hate crime and Mm. to get white people of the world apologize to you know because white people of the world we need apologies we've done nothing wrong right so they did this whole protest march thing with confederate flags and swastikas and stuff which is great. So cool. Uh, the president of the Knoxville chapter of the NAACP also came out and said, look, this wasn't a race issue. Mm-hmm. It was a case of right and wrong. You don't need to label it. It was right and wrong. That's it. The house where everything happened was purchased by a, the waste company, I believe, or something, and it was demolished in 2008. And they're planning on making a memorial there for the two victims. And also, like, I don't know if it sounds like it, but I'm not taking, I'm not trying to play down. You're not taking the piss? What? You're not, like, downplay. Or be like, I'm not trying to say. This is so fucking stupid. I'm not trying to say that, that I was just saying that the race part is stupid. Yeah, you're not trying to say. I'm not saying that those. People who did it did anything right. It was also wrong. Anyway, April 4th, 2018, a grand jury had decided to look into Eric Boyd's case again. And they Boy. were. Boyd. Deacon Slater. Yeah. And they returned with 36 counts and indicted him on those counts. He was transferred to a different jail and he's held on a $1 million bail awaiting a full trial. For five years. Is it 2014? 2018. Oh. All over the place. He's still waiting. But he's likely to return to court this month. So we might have a an update soon on this. Copycat. Hey, I started the currency thing. Remember when mine, the guy died yesterday? Yeah, but that was during your what? story. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Lamarcus's. This is fun. This is a fun fact. Lamarcus had a cellmate when he was in prison the first time. 
Bridges like theft or whatever. Remember? Mm-hmm. His name is Kelvin Cohen's. And Kelvin, like the unit of measurement. Yeah. You never met a Kelvin? No. I know a few. Um and he they used to compare crimes. I guess that's a thing you do. And it was always that Lamarcus's crimes were darker. And he saw him choke inmates a few times and then realized that this guy was like after all this came out, he was like, Yeah, and this guy's bad, like I knew it all along, whatever. So he wrote a book called The Most Evil Person I've Ever Met. Nice. And it's about Lamarcus Davidson. What does it get on Goodreads? Uh like a four point five with six reviews. Nice. <laughs> It gets at like a 4.8 on Amazon with like 20 reviews. Mm. He called it the best ebook of 2017. And he authors that book as well as a couple others as 6-4 instead of his name. I don't know why. Spelled like phonetically? 6-4? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, not phonetically. But not the It's spelled out, right? It's not 64. Nope. 6 space 4 capitals he also wrote a book about eric boyd who's awaiting another trial this month the second most evil person i ever met call and why he should get more time for everything called the case against eric boyd i didn't look into the ratings for that one sorry um and he's gotten really into like investigating stuff and writing books he's also he also started a couple petitions about their trials on change.org houses pros do you know do you see any like look inside the cover oh it looks painful like i don't know how to explain it except it just looks hard to read like it looks like ninth grade writing where like it makes sense and you can read it but it's not quality. But you're reading the same thing like six times. <laughs> no. So, yeah. That is the roller coaster. Roller coaster. Roller coaster? Sure, roller coaster. Did you say roller coaster? No. Oh. <laughs> there you go. That's the episode. Roller coaster. That's the roller coaster of the five, five, count them perpetrators of this awful grisly terrible sad murder terrible awful no good horrible bad day super disgusting you're lucky that i toned it down let me just say i was like shuddering reading it i was like feeling a little bit sick yeah all right thank you for that yeah i mean are you sure you want to thank me for that yeah wow the more you know G.I. Joe. Uh, Before we start, can I have my other beer? How long do you think a beer can stay in the freezer? Why are you asking me? It's right next to you. Oh, is it? How long do you think a beer can stay in the freezer before it explodes? Or freezes? An hour. Hmm. Probably should take it out of the freezer then. Beer was not frozen, so thumbs up. Two thumbs up for not failing at life. Two thumbs up for the new freezer that we got when we moved in because we had a broken fridge when we moved in. Did it freeze things? I don't remember. Not really. No. Didn't do anything. The fridge was about like 60 degrees. <laughs> it was colder than it was. No, it it's was. colder than room temperature. It was not as cold as outside though. Because outside was like 10 degrees. Yeah. Tell me. Francis. 
Alexander. You like this area of the state? I'm about to hate it. Would you describe Thompson's County as a... Tompkins. Tompkins. Not Tompkins. As a pristine refuge from the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah? Mm, Parts of it. Would you say that Ithaca's... um, Gorgeous. No. (laughs) Ithaca, for a lot of people, has been a never-never land where bad things don't happen to good people. Yeah. No. Bad things happen, but I feel like... Bad things happen to good people? Yeah. But I do feel like there's less bad. That's my rose-colored glasses view of Ithaca, though. Mm -hmm. Tell me why I shouldn't believe these things. Well, this story that I have for you is coming from one of our patrons, Tom. Um, He recommended that we should check it out uh, because he's supporting at the $10 level. So thank you, Tom. Patreon.com slash Podcast if you want a shout out. Thanks, Tom. Um, so our story will take place in Dryden, which is nearby, Dithka. It is. Um, in 1989. Um, between the years of 1989 and 1999, Dryden experienced a rash of crime and would become known as the Village of the Damned. What? I was alive then, but I was too little to know it was the Village of the Damned. Um, But more specifically, our story will take place in the community of Ellis Hollow. Yep. I'm familiar. I used to go there all the time. My best friend from middle school to high school lived in that area. Down in the holler? Yeah. Sleepy Hollow. It's not what they call it. No. No. They call it the damned hollow. They call it Ellis Hollow. Do you know? I didn't look into it. Do you know why it's Ellis Hollow or anything? Nope. Some guy named Ellis, right? Yeah. Uh, December 23, 1989. Wow, right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. The Harris family of Tony and Dolores Harris, their 15-year-old daughter, uh, Shelby. (laughs) What the What? (laughs) The way that you started to say it before you corrected it, you're like... Harry and Dolores and their 15-year-old old daughter, shit. <laughs> you would shit. <laughs> I was like, what? Tony and Dolores. Whatever. I'm so focused on shithead daughter. <laughs> Shathid. I don't know if you've seen that line. Yeah. Uh, so Tony and Dolores Harris, their 15-year-old daughter. Oh, that's why it said Harry. <laughs> 15-year-old daughter, Shelby, um, and their 11-year-old son, Mark, were at home preparing for Christmas, you know, coming up in two days. Yeah. Uh, Tony was an executive in an electronics business, while Dolores volunteered for events for children and ran a small country gift shop and antique store just a couple, like, 100 feet away from her house. Oh, wow. Um, At some point between the hours of 6 and 10 p.m. during the night, someone entered the Harris's house and bound the family. Just getting right into it. Yeah, I mean, I jumped in. Um, The family was then also blindfolded, and Shelby was taken to another room. Um, She was sexually assaulted and sodomized. Man, we're really killing it today. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. We have some pretty similar stories. Do we? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Um, Ultimately, all four members of the family were shot um in the back of the head with a small caliber 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 a caliber a scalpel 
They were shot with a scalpel yeah, gun? A small caliber gun, a, a twenty-two, and then their bodies were set on fire. Okay, that was only half of my story. The other half was totally different. The sodomy and the shooting in the back of the head and setting the bodies on fire? Well, that was only half of my victims. Um, around 7 o'clock the next morning, a neighbor noticed the smoke alarm was going off in their house and no, like nobody was responding. Um, I think he also saw a little bit of smoke coming from the house and he called the police. Uh, police appeared on scene about 20 minutes later and noted that the entire house seemed like pretty clean. Clean in what way? As if like there had been somebody there and like they just when they pre, uh when the police um officer originally like got on scene he assumed that somebody had like burned something and like whoever was burned had to be taken to the hospital that's why they, there was nobody around oh. um but walking through the house he didn't like see anybody and then he saw a, a charred body and he's like well this isn't right wait he saw a body yeah oh because he's trying to like figure out why the smoke alarm's going off and no yeah. one's responding to it um but the overall like crime scene, so like gunshot and um, Burn. burning of the body, they seemed like somebody had gone through and cleaned up afterwards. Oh, so the police assumed that like a uh, whoever had did this was a professional cleaner, in some capacity. I don't know how you can determine that. I uh, I don't know. Um, but the only thing out of place that they noticed was a gas can that was in the house. You know, Mister Clean always seemed suspicious. Yeah, it was him. Always right? smiling. That one earring and the weirdly buff body. Yeah. Just like the uh, the movement exercise. Anything for you. <laughs> um, they did not find, at the time of like discovering the scene, they didn't find any fingerprints on the gas can in the house. And so they had really not much to go with. And the police were not giving out a lot of information, so rumors began to circulate that um, some of the fingers had been cut off with the victims. I don't know how that happened, but people were like, do you hear about the, the victims? They don't got any fingers. That same area had a rumor that someone had a pet mountain lion that was running amok. So, was it this large cat? Yeah. I mean, it always is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So they're all about rumors. Yeah. That's what you do in like a... Watch that show, Desperate Housewives. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's all rumors. Yeah, except that's not what Ellis Hollow looks like at all. It's not suburbia. But it is it's upper... country. Is it not upper class? No? Not really. Right. You're thinking of Cayuga Heights. Mm. There was some evidence that valuables had been taken from the home, but police determined this was not the reason that the crime had occurred. As a result of the police not giving out a lot of information about what they knew or why this happened, people began to panic. They started buying guns and stocking up on like locks and stuff for their house and yeah. just like boarding up. Yep. Um, it was later attributed to the feeling that everyone had after 9-11. Oh, wow. In that community, that everyone was just like on edge and just like yeah. panicking. Yeah, prepare for anything. Mm -hmm. Police Captain Robert Farrand of the, the Troop C Commander uh, was quoted as saying, I'm quite confident that we will eventually solve this. Uh -huh. And during that time of their investigation, the hundreds of tips came in trying to like, oh, we saw this or this happened. Um, the mountain lion. Yeah. That included a neighbor saying that around 6.50 the morning that the uh, the bodies were discovered, 
he saw a light-skinned black man driving a van slowly by the house with a female passenger. Okay. I mean, if the fire alarm's going off, I would probably slow down, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same day the victims were um, discovered, their credit cards had also been used by a man and a woman on clothes and jewelry, not too far away from the crime scene. Hmm. Um, later, an, a couple of employees at the store would be able to help to create a sketch of the black man and woman who used those cards. Oh. Interesting. Investigators quickly determined that the woman that was in the sketch was Shirley King. That must have been a better sketch artist than... I guess also like multiple people versus like one guy saying like, I don't know, she kind of looked like this. And it's like, I guess it's like... Oh, right, right. uh, Collaboration. Why use... Okay. Yeah, use the credit cards. Like, maybe don't do that. This was like... 1999. 89. 89. So, they were, I guess... You never really know how much technology the police department has. Right. Um, investigator David Harding went undercover to Shirley's workplace uh, where she was working at, at a B&B to see if he could learn anything. Professional cleaner. Yeah. Uh, he did that on January 30th. And then on February 3rd, Harding told, discovered that, uh, told investigators he had found a fingerprint on the gas can and it matched Shirley's. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, for some reason, it took another five days for investigators to go and confront Shirley about this match between right. her fingerprint at a crime scene. Didn't you say there was no fingerprints on the gas can before? Yep. Okay. Um, so Shirley lived in a house with her mother and her son, Michael and his son. So apparently it was separated that Shirley and her mother lived on one side and then like a duplex. Yeah. Oh, my understanding of what the way they laid it out in the articles I read was that they were on like the same floor and they just like, oh, separated the floor got it there was some talk that in this five days between going to shirley and finding her fingerprints on the gas can that they were also realizing that the other person in her car in the car was her son michael mm-hmm. as he matched would have matched um the description description and sketch artist right. rendering of the people that used the credit cards yeah and they were likely getting a uh, warrants for michael and shirley um, now, Michael did have a record with a few convictions for burglary and theft with deadly weapons. Um, he also, at some point, expressed regret and never having a shootout with police. Uh, uh, throughout that's his That's a weird crimes. bucket list item. I guess Bonnie and Clyde really infiltrated the popular culture. So when police show up at Shirley's house and they enter, they find Michael on his bed with a shotgun to his chin. He then turned the gun on police when he was able to get a single shot off before police would kill him. Well. And then Shirley was taken in, in after this. Wow. And he left his son. Yeah, um, his son was taken by uh, CPS. Oh. I shudder to think what that son is up to. That kind of thing really scars you, I imagine. Um, I think at the time of this, he was like two years old. So there were some memories. Yeah. But. Yikes. So Shirley was taken in and ultimately she would be charged with second degree forgery for the use of the credit cards, third degree arson, first degree, first degree burglary, and a couple other crimes related to the murders. In November 1990, she would be convicted for all of those crimes. And in January 1991, she was sentenced to 18 to 47 years for her role in the murders and arson and 
Did they just assume Michael, Michael also did stuff at the crime scene? Yeah. Um, 18 years for four murders is not a whole lot. Yeah, the <laughs> forgery, the arson, the burglary. There was there was a couple of theories that were a little later on, but theories that he, Michael went to the uh, the house mm-hmm. to like rob the gift store, country store that um, she was running, and then killed the the family, uh-huh. and then for some reason drove back to his mother's house. Got her. Got her. And she helped burn them. She helped burn the bodies, and they went to the store to use the credit cards. Got it. Got but it. But I think in some stories or some articles I read, there was like a blizzard happening that night, and people were like, why would he drive out in a blizzard to collect his mother to come back to burn bodies? There is a year that everyone talks about, but I think it was 91 where there was a blizzard. I think that was the last blizzard, and I don't think there was one near it. Yeah, but ultimately people were like, why would he kill people bring his mother and no, that's she'd fair. Be like, there's bad weather but i there's like if you know ithacans who have been here they're like oh, in the blizzard of whatever and you're like yep okay. or it might have been okay grandpa 92 or 93 i don't remember also if you were i don't know if you killed somebody and you're like all right mom you're gonna come help me burn these bodies my mother would go straight to the police i think exactly yeah, well, not every mother, some mothers, okay, there's like a whole plot line in a lot of different crime movies and TV shows and things like that where the mother then helps the son cover up things. Because she loves him so like, I much. I think it might have been even a line on Desperate Housewives. I don't remember exactly, but I've seen a lot where it's like, well, I needed to protect my son. That's my son. Mm-hmm. But my mom would be like, Oh my god, and and she'd be like, "We'll get through this," and she would visit me in prison, and we, you know, but she would, she would definitely turn me in. Yeah, and that's why I'll never ask my mom to help me bury a body by Francis, a story. You include more than like three people. You can't keep a secret. Um, Shirley ultimately did admit to using the credit cards, but did not say much more beyond that. Uh huh. And she. Uh, was in prison for about two and a half years before anything happened with else with her sentence. So we're going to then jump back just a little bit. This, so she's in prison, and while she's in prison, this all, 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 whole other thing is happening behind the scenes. I almost, I mean, you're going to tell me more, but I feel like that's logical. Michael shot himself. Maybe he just didn't want to deal with the consequences. He attempted to. Yeah, he was going to attempt yeah, to. Yeah, well, he he basically shot himself because he knew he would be shot. Yeah. It's suicide by police. Mm. He also expressed regret and not... Yeah, bucket list weird. Anyway. Um. So cool. a few months into Shirley's prison sentence, the investigator that found fingerprints on the gas can, David Harding, was applying to a position with the CIA. And part of that problem, like, hiring process he was given a polygraph and one of the questions he was asked was if would he ever break the law for his country and he's like yeah of course he's like i broke the law a bunch of times to convict people that i thought were guilty of crimes and he thought that i would like impress the cia and they're like <laughs> what <laughs> what are you on about that's not, i don't think that's a ticket to get them to like you he thought that would like impress yeah <laughs> I mean, the CIA does some shady shit, but um, ultimately the CIA passed this information on to the GOJ. 
The what? Department of Justice. Oh. And there was about a 14-month period until anything happened with that. So the, the Department of Justice got this, and it's like, cool, thanks. They probably it was at the bottom of their pile. See you in a year. Deuces. <laughs> so eventually... You get the job. I don't believe so, no. <laughs> Bummer. I mean, he technically passed the polygraph. Well, that's not... I don't think... Yeah. Um. Eventually, this came to light that he, like, broke a bunch of laws to plan information. Dirty cop, yeah. dirty cop. Um, she would be released after uh, two and a half years of serving her sentence. And she would ultimately sue the state for damages up of $500 million. For what? Damages like defamation and all oh, this other. Yeah, and uh, improper yeah. imprisonment. Um, but she would end up winning 250000 in July of 2009. So she got out like 95, I think it was. And she was in lawsuits and stuff for... Why'd she get out? Because that investigator admitted to planting evidence. And they just was like, this was probably one of them? He, yeah. He, yeah. At some point, he was brought in. Like it, I'll have a little, a little further down about that, but... She she uh, got out because he's like, yeah, she was involved in this. Because I knew for sure that she was guilty. So I planted evidence to make oh, sure she okay. was convicted. Did you say that? Or did you just say he had planted evidence? And yeah, it was just kind of like a vague. Okay, okay. Um, he admitted to saying that she was one of the ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then he went to jail. Yeah. Oh, good. Um. So yeah, she got 250000 in 2009 after... Um, she attempted a couple of lawsuits and then appealed and then got to the federal level. And they're like, no, this isn't worth it or whatever, for whatever reason. And then she kept going through that process yeah. for like 10, 15 years. Right. Um, she then got her uh, settlement and then lived the, last, lived the rest of her life in Atlanta. Um, she would die about six years after winning her um, settlement. Uh, so this was 2015 she died. She was 80 at this time. Mm. So um, the police involved in this whole like planting of evidence scandal, it's apparently a, a big thing. There's like a Wikipedia page on it, so you know it's a, it's a, you know it's a whole thing. Ithaca planting, IPD planting evidence? Not I IPD, uh, New York State Police Troop C. Oh. Which oh. David Harding and that guy that says, I'm sure we'll find somebody pretty soon. Oh, they're state troopers. Yeah. They're not local. No. Oh. Um, I was like, RPD, man. There were about like six to eight cops involved in this entire scandal. At least people that got time. They kept secrets mm -hmm. with six to eight people. Yeah. They didn't follow the three-person rule. Yeah. But it came and bit them in the butt, so they well, should it, have. It was that whole thing where... Everyone was like self-incriminating. They were all aware right. of everyone else's crimes. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, like six, eight cops were involved in this, and they all ultimately got time ranging from one year to eleven years. This episode brought to you by like race, racially charged things. Do you think it had anything to do with that? That she's black. Probably because that one guy. Or the one, the one neighbor said he saw a, a black guy and a woman driving a van slowly by the house. They ran with it. 
There are some accounts where I saw he later recanted that statement. Uh, I don't know if that's the right term to recant a uh-huh. statement. Sure. It's usually like recanting a confession. Whatever. Um, but yeah, they served one to 11 years, and this is now known as the New York State Police Troop C scandal. I think Troop C is now like disbanded. That's not a thing anymore. Good. But largely, it's believed that Michael committed the crimes and then Shirley probably didn't come along to help burn the bodies. He's just like, I got these credit cards, go wild. And so she was aware that these credit cards mysteriously appeared. And she was like, fine with that. Do you know what Troop C scan got replaced with? I do not know. I C-SPAN. C-SPAN? C-SCAN? C-SCAN, C-SPAN? C-SPAN. Dull. Dull. I'm stupid. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes so much. That's you know, it's a good one when you have to laugh at your I own saw, joke. I saw a meme about when like you laugh so much about your joke before you even tell it. And internally, that's what I do. You're like, oh, this is going to be a good one. This is a stinger. <laughs> Let's wait for a pause. A break. <laughs> and go. Continue. Sorry. No, that was that's the end of my uh, notes. So that's the murder of the Harris family and uh, the town of Dryden slash Ellis Hollow. Um, City of the Damned. City of the Damned. Investigation Discovery producers of Investigation Discovery put out a six-part like miniseries called the, the Village of the Damned, and mm-hmm. it's various crimes um that happened around dryden between those years so do you know are they still looking into it um no i right now as far as i saw it's it's pinned on michael oh but it's like i think they see the attempted suicide by shotgun as a admission of guilt and they and they say that just shirley was never there yeah, um, I mean, there's like obviously like theories that, like I said, he went out and got her. Yeah, but she always adamantly um, denied that. Right. I didn't see anything about her ever taking like a polygraph on it or anything, but. Hmm. No wonder she moved to Georgia. Um. So thank you, Tom, for that story. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for your support. Yeah, we appreciate it. We appreciate all support. That's a, a hint. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but really. Um, Patreon.com slash Adele's podcast. Yes. So those guys were playing ping pong, the graph guys. But I didn't listen too closely because the last time I tried to describe the relationship graph to you. So you, what, you just didn't care? You're like, oh, this is going to be a pain in the ass. So this was also at um, the pre-opening night of Avengers Endgame. Oh. When we were um, sitting in the movie theater waiting for it to start. The movie theater we snuck into. Well, Alex, when you phrase it like that, it sounds wrong. <laughs> we went to the a different numbered theater for a ticket we paid for for the movie we paid for. Mm-hmm. We did not sneak into a theater. We didn't pay for that time. Oh, we... Well... Anyway. No one lost their seat because of it. No, it was super empty, and the one we went to was booked. Mm-hmm. 
So whatever. Is there a couple guys because that, of it? You watched it in a smaller screen. I'm sorry, I mm-hmm. didn't know that was gonna. Happen. No, and I'll have to just you have to buy me Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. I don't gotta do diddly squat for you. I went to opening night for you. That's enough of a sacrifice. Spider Man's coming out too, and we're gonna go to that too. No, I said no more opening nights. That's fine. See anyway, you later. Yeah, this discussion later. Tell um, there's a couple guys behind us waiting for the movie to start, and this one guy goes, "What is beginner's luck? How did that come about? Like getting more experience." In something, in something, do you get like worse because of it? Like you get beginner's luck, and then you gradually get worse afterward. Yeah. Like beginner's luck, you're like the best at it, and then <laughs> you're just downhill from there. Like beginner's luck, you could like play pool for the first time and get like everything. Yeah, you'd win really easily, yeah. and then after that, everything you do is not as good as beginner's luck. You just luck. miss, you miss the cue ball entirely. You just hit the ceiling with your pool cue i could understand wondering about the how to come about the yeah the origin of the phrase but i get it i i mean i know what it means and everything but do you get worse as you go on really well if you didn't then it wouldn't be beginner's luck like you would just be like well i mean the point of beginner's luck is that a time where you do well and you don't know the skill yet because you're just starting. And then you learn to be just as good, but with skill mm-hmm. instead of luck. His point is that it's, you're really good. Beginner's luck is like a 10 and, and everything else is play, like a 2. Yeah, even if you get better at it, you're still worse than that first time. Well, I mean, at beginner's luck, you like finish, you get all the stripes in. We're using pool here. Yeah. If you get all the stripes in and like... Two minutes, and then, like, the next time you play... Well, it's, it's not a timed game. Yeah, but just from, like, <laughs> from the break to... In two in two rounds, okay. Yeah. Well, there wouldn't be, even it'd be two rounds, though. One round? If you got... Oh, so you don't even let the next person go? Every shot you take, you sink. You sink. Oh, wow. Yeah, but you could get to that same point with skill, in theory. Yeah, but that's, so that's his point. But He's his point going is, Going like, down and then maybe back up? No, I don't think in his point you ever go back up. He said everything after that is worse. Well, I mean, immediately, yeah, there would be. It would be like a 10 and you'd be like, you miss no, be- a couple shots the next time. Because luck isn't even a real thing. Unless you believe in luck, which I don't. You ever like missed an accident and you're like, that was lucky. I almost got in an accident once, like a really bad one. And you're like, that was lucky. And no, I just... I have never felt so scared in my life. I almost got an accident like a month and a half ago here. What? You didn't tell me. Yeah, I did. I was going to the beer store and some oh, jackass yeah, 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 pulled yeah, around yeah, a car. Yeah. And was you like, were on the phone with me. Yeah. But that wasn't why. It was right in my face. I'm just talking on no, the phone no, driving. No, no, phone. Huh. How old? I don't care. I, I'm I, not ages. I didn't turn around. I think they were the same guys that were kicking your chair. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, they were directly behind us. Oh, this wasn't in the line. It was in the theater. Yeah, we were sitting down waiting. Oh, my God. They kicked my chair the entire time. I was so pissed off. I kept being like, do something. No, I didn't. I just kept telling you how angry I was about it. Like, I was like, should I say something? Mm -hmm. Because I was so upset. You don't kick someone's chair at the movie theater. Now we're just derailed entirely. It's only on planes. No, you don't kick someone's chair at all unless they ask you to for some reason. Then, okay. 
Excuse me, sir. My back hurts. Kick my chair. It's like a massage, a manual massage. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yep. I remember you being like, I think I overheard something, and I was like, oh, I forgot you had that in your up your arsenal, if you will. It's a line from a Jack and Daxter game. Tomorrow I might pull pork. Tomorrow I might have something since I'll be working until and past opening mm. of the brewery. So. Cool. Awesome. Well, that was a long episode, yeah? Yeah. Um, episode 15. I have nothing to say about episode 15. I have nothing like witty about. Taylor Swift wrote a song about it. 15? Yeah, about this episode. I'm pretty sure that was the... That she was like seeing it in the future. Was this uh, pre-pop star Taylor Swift? Yeah, it's called 15. This is a song. Yeah. I haven't listened to like any of her earlier stuff in a while. Oh, well, anyway... Um, you can find us on social media at Sad Tales Podcast and send us an email, sadtalespodcast at gmail.com with story suggestions or things you've overheard and we can read them semi-live on the air for you to listen to again. Yeah, and you can, you've already heard, but you can go to our Patreon page and support us monetarily and get some bonus features such as our secondary episode, Supernatural Tales, or a holiday card from us or a lot of other cool things. So head on over there to patreon.com slash sad tales podcast episode six just released for our bonus episode for patreon yeah and that's about a haunted island over in italy so check that out you won't want to miss it and other than that like it subscribe review tell a friend tell a friend or a foe or anyone you know see uh in a week